Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. With a new year, new leadership at the Machinist Union. What the minimum wage should be now. And today on the show, the latest from the North Coast Labor Federation and the United Associations Director of Training and Education. Welcome to the Tuesday, January 2nd edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify and Pandora. Hard to believe it's 2024, second day of the new year. We're going to start things off with Mr. Pat Gallagher, longtime supporter of America's workforce. He serves as president of the North Coast Labor Federation, which covers Cuyahoga, Lake Lorraine, Geauga, and Ashtabula counties. They are one of nearly 500 state and local labor councils of the AFL-CIO, pretty much covering all of Northeastern Ohio. Two things we're primarily going to get into. This is going to be a very, very politically charged year. And Ohio was one of seven states, one of seven, to receive the worst grade on its redistricting process and efforts. This is according to a report by the national group Common Cause. This group works against gerrymandering and promotes voting rights. And they completed a report on all 50 states and profiled redistricting state by state with the help of a coalition of voting rights and anti-gerrymandering groups. Bottom line is this. There's probably going to be an issue on the ballot this November to deal with that very issue. And Pat is going to talk about that. Pat also comes from the United Steelworkers, one of the many proud sponsors of America's workforce and You heard about the buyout of U.S. Steel a couple of weeks ago. The Steelworkers Union, not happy. Even the White House has some concerns about this. Did they go a little too far? Is this going to be an issue of national security? Well, Pat's been uh, real close to that situation, and he'll bring us up to speed on that. Later in the show, we are going to replay one of our best segments of 2023 And that would be an interview that I did with Ray Boyd. Ray is the current director of education and training with the United Association. UA.org is their website. Here's a guy that spent over three decades, actually uh, 35 years, helping to inform people about the importance of unions. He started out of local 690 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And uh, last year, was very rewarding for Ray's life as the director of education and training. It allowed him to travel the country and see all the success that apprentices within the UA are having. In fact, he even went out of the country. He talked about that on the show. And uh, he's a really, really engaged individual. Lots of energy. I love talking to this guy. We're going to do a whole lot more with him this year. The, uh, The organizing team that uh, they put together at the UA scours the entire United States and they pretty much target areas to provide information and a home for anyone wanting to join the trades. Ray talked about this process and how the UA's membership has grown to more than 
370,000 members. That's right, 370,000 members. So this uh, will be later in the show. Ray Boyd, Director of Education and Training with the United Association. Again, the national website there is ua.org, ua.org. Now look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. Well, with the new year, we have some uh, new leadership, and I'm going to focus right now on the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers. I want to do a shout-out to uh, Brian Bryant. He is the new general president of the Machinist Union. Go IAM.org. And this follows the retirement of Robert Martinez, Jr., Robert, wow, I mean, talk about a storied history. 43 years with the Machinist Union, and he was president for the last eight years, and he was a veteran of military service, too. But the new guy, Bryant, is a native of Maine, 34 years as an IAM member, started as a pipe fitter, became an integral part of a local S6. This was at the Bath Ironworks in Maine where he took part in various committees holding key positions like shop steward, trustee, and president before being elected District 4, directing business representative. That was back in 1998. This is what uh, Brian said. I am honored to follow in the footsteps of an amazing leader and educator such as Bob Martinez. Bob has been a great mentor, has left our union in great place, in a great place. I'm humbled by the support of my colleagues on the IAM Executive Council for putting their faith in me, and I am committed to building upon the legacy of the 14 international presidents who came before me. The time is now to shape a strong, diverse, and new future for the IAM, and I look forward to listening to our membership as I travel throughout North America. So that's Brian Bryant, the new general president of the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers. Speaking of machinists, Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown and one of the representatives out of Northeastern Ohio, Chantel Brown, are publicly pressuring a Cleveland-area commercial vehicle center to offer a fair contract to its striking mechanics, who are members of Machinist Local 1363. The company's last, best, and final offer, which was soundly rejected by IAM members, would slash retirement security by ending the company match and significantly cut work hours. Turns out that 24 members at Valley Ford Truck in Valley View, Ohio, began their strike on Monday, December 18th. Senator Brown wrote a letter to the president of the company, Brian O'Donnell, and IAM Local 1363 directing business rep, Timothy Verlinden. This is what Brown wrote. Mr. O'Donnell, as you acknowledged in a statement, your employees and customers are what makes Valley Ford the leading truck retailer in Northeastern Ohio and beyond. To now make an offer that would further erode the workers' entire retirement security is both short-sighted and an unfair demand. Representative Chantel Brown visited the strike line. This was on Wednesday. December 20th, helping to boost morale of the members taking a stand for their livelihoods in the midst of the holiday season. Timothy Verlinden, the business rep there, said the following, as I am local 1363 members at Valley Ford spend the holidays fighting for every working family, the solidarity of Senator Brown and Chantel Brown, the representative, means the world to us. 
We continue to be ready and willing to negotiate a fair contract with management that preserves our membership's hard-fought retirement security. By the way, in previous negotiations, local members accommodated a request from management to convert a long-time defined benefit pension into the current defined contribution plan, which company leadership is now seeking to weaken. Boy, we've seen so much of that happen over the years. You had those defined benefit plans, which were pretty much the status quo, but those are few and far between, mostly in the public sector now, mostly in that area. Well, a couple of people, well, a lot of people actually got raises in the new year, not because of any contract talks, usually because of some kind of an adjustment due to legislation or some rallying around in various communities, cities, and states. Ohio's minimum wage got a 36-cent adjustment to $10.45 per hour to keep up with rising prices. Now, mind you, this would not have happened if voters didn't approve a ballot measure going back to 2006. So that was, what, 18 years ago? When the minimum wage, well, well, today it's $7.25. But they indexed it to inflation. So it's been going up gradually ever since. Now, this adjustment will benefit about 380 thousand Ohioans and the Economic Policy Institute estimated that 150,000 Ohioans now paid less than 1045 will see a direct wage increase from the index. Now there's a lot of states that are not going to see a bump in their wages because they didn't do what Ohio did several years ago. Altogether minimum wage workers in 22 states are seeing more money in their paychecks because of, uh, of various of various things that happen over the years. Now, mind you, the national minimum wage, $7.25 an hour. If Congress had placed a similar inflation safeguard when it passed the highest minimum wage on record way back in 1968, that's when all this started, the federal minimum wage would be worth over $14 per hour today. Without it, the wage has been cut in half, and minimum wage workers take home half the pay that their grandparents did two generations ago. Isn't that amazing? If they would have indexed that, so many people would be living better lives today. But uh, again, a lot of states are not following the lead, like Ohio, California, New York. I mean, there are many. Even Florida, very conservative state, had ballot issues dealing with the uh, minimum wage increases. Hats off to uh, CWA. And the Teamsters, actually, they, uh, they have a joint bargaining committee. And they finally reached a tentative agreement with American Airlines for a new contract. Initial costing shows that the five-year contract is valued at $1.3 billion. This is what happens when uh, unions get together for the common good. The agreement could not have been reached without the support of local union leaders, mobilization team members, and every member who supported mobilization efforts and informational picketing over the last several months. The actions made a huge difference at the bargaining table and demonstrated the power of the union. And uh, more details should be coming up on both websites, the CWA, that's cwa-union.org, and Teamsters, that's plural, teamsters.org. All right, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, Pat Gallagher on behalf of the North Coast Labor Federation. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferris. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. 
From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. The heat and frost insulators and allied workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. This portion of the show brought to you by the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers. For more information, please visit BACWeb.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency. You can find more at ulagency.org. In fact, Dave Meganhart, Executive Director of the ULA, will be joining us tomorrow. Right now, though, let's go to line number one. Welcome a longtime supporter of America's Workforce, longtime member of the United Steelworkers. That would be Pat Gallagher. And he is the current president of the North Coast Labor Federation, another sponsor of America's Workforce. And as you probably heard here about the big buyout of U.S. Steel, legendary company, by a foreign entity, Nippon Steel. This was announced a couple of weeks ago in the Steelworkers Union. We had Dave McCall on the show a couple weeks back talking about this. He's not happy. White House is not happy. And we're really, really concerned about what may happen with collective bargaining. So, Mr. Gallagher, what's the, what's the, oh, by the way, Happy New Year to you. Did you have a good New Year? Happy New Year, Flash, and all the listeners. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us on, on the second day of the new year. So what are you hearing about this right now? You think that, is, is this a done deal or what, Pat? Well, it's a, there's a lot of uh, red tape that we got to clear up and go through it. You know, on December 18th, it was announced that U.S. Steel was going to sell to Nippon Steel North America. We had no, the United Steel workers had no prior communication or nothing prior to the announcement. Uh, we had assigned our rights 
to bed to Cleveland Cliffs because Cleveland Cliffs had committed that they would not close any facilities. They would make all the necessary capital improvements. We have a pretty good relationship with them. And there was another American steelmaker, which we were very concerned about keeping steelmaking in America. It's very important, you know, for our defense and for our domestic tranquility that we have with, you know, domestic steelmakers and domestic producers and all manufacturing, whether it be steel, auto, or anything that's used by consumers or military. So, and U.S. Steel recently is even in a good market. They've shut down uh, three tin mills. They idled uh, Lorraine, our facility in Lorraine, which has been there for over 100 years and was a very viable facility. They shut down some coke plants at coke batteries at Clareton in Pennsylvania. Also, too, they made some commitments to some capital in uh, western Pennsylvania, and they reneged on those commitments. And they decided to buy a big river steel, a nine-union plant in Arkansas, spent over a billion dollars to get that. So we've got a lot of concerns on the future and, and where, they're, where they're going. Also, too, when uh, President McCall met with them, they, they said that they were not going to publicly release their information, um, their financial results, which impacts our, our ability to verify the profit-sharing statements for our members. So that's a very concerning concerning part, and we're very concerned about the deal overall. And with U.S. Steel, we've had several, several anti-dumping cases with them where they were supportive of us and went in partners with us. There's actually 12 that are still currently on the books, and we want to know what is what Snippon Steel going to do. Are they going to go forward and support us and help us with these uh, anti-dumping cases to protect domestic manufacturers? Are they going to just import things from Japan and other countries? So there's a lot of concerns and a lot of issues to be resolved. Pat, let me ask you this. We hear about a lot of dumping, mainly from China. Has Japan been been part of that over the years, to your knowledge? Well, you know, there's currently we have 12 anti-dumping orders on steel products from Japan currently right now. And, and some of them go back for 20 years or so because what happens is that before an anti-dumping order is taken off the books and before it sunsets, there's review. And if conditions are still the same, it's renewed. So some of these have been going back for years. Wow. But, you know, the, the national security thing really, really, I mean, concerns me. I know it concerns you, and it, it should concern a lot of people in Washington. Will, will that be the main thrust of this going forward in, 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 your, in your thoughts? Well, that'll be a big component of our issues. We want to make sure that we have... You know, that domestic steel is made in America, that the capital commitments will be made and so that we can keep producing and keep on a level playing field with foreign producers. Yeah. And we also have contracts right now with uh, Nippon Steel in, in uh, Pennsylvania and in West Virginia, and we don't have a good relationship there with them. We've got some grievances and some LRB charges followed by the local unions that represent the membership there. So there's a lot of questions going on. Also, too, Nippon was a, is a partner at the... Arcelor Middle Nippon Steel Steel Mill in Calvert, Alabama, where we had organizing efforts, and they hired a anti-union law firm, and union busters came in and you know tried to derail our organizing efforts, and also too they, they put took, took us to federal court to stop our neutrality agreement. So there's a lot of questions about our our relationship with Nippon and their you know and their their intentions going forward. Not good. And Dave McCall had a really good point, too, when we had him on the show. He, he said, you know, with this infrastructure, 
and Jobs Act, I mean, there's been a push to buy American products. And, and when, when, you're, when you're rebuilding the infrastructure, the first thing you think about is the steel that's going to go into that infrastructure. So now we're, we're trying to buy American, and then U.S. steel is gone, and actually we're going to be buying from Japan to build our infrastructure and rebuild our infrastructure. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't no, make it, any sense. It'll just be a shell company of uh, basically the United States. Uh, they may even keep the, the current U.S. steel management, which we do not have a good relationship with and are doubtful of their, their intentions also, too. So, I mean, it's just a recipe for disaster if, if we don't get these issues, you know, ironed out and get some firm commitments that we can enforce with them. We're speaking with Pat Gallagher, former uh, member of District 1 of the Steelworkers staff rep. He's now retired, and he continues as the uh, representative, as actually president of the North Coast Labor Federation in Northeastern Ohio. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, 2024. You know this is going to be, well, it's a presidential election year, congressional, a lot of very important seats in Congress, including uh, Sherrod Brown seats. But let's focus on Ohio and what may be on the ballot. And as you know, we've been trying to get some fair maps here when it comes to this gerrymandering issue. Um, Pat, I'd like to get your take on this. I, I know you're ramping up for it at the North Coast Labor Federation. What's the, what's the game plan? Yeah, we're going to start soliciting petitions and, and you know, trying to get this on the ballot. We think that there needs to be a – we need to take the redistricting out of the hands of the politicians and put them in a, in a fair – redistricting commission that's not controlled by either party. We think it'd be better for the for the citizens of Ohio that we have some really fair drawn districts. There was a compromise agreed to by the uh, Ohio legislator in September that's going to go that's scheduled to go through currently till 2030, and we'll see you know how that works out. But uh, again, it's a very gerrymandered plan that we have to deal with, and it's time that we have the hands of politicians. And put it in the hands of somebody who's really bipartisan and really is representative of the people. And I know the uh, former chief justice of the Ohio Supreme Court has a plan. It involves 15 people, and they're not connected. They're not elected officials. It's basically five Democrats, five Republicans, five independents. Now, this would be an issue on the November ballot, I understand. What are you hearing about this, Pat? Uh, that's what we're trying to We're trying to get the signatures to get it on the ballot, and I think uh, – we should be able to do so. We've got a lot of people out there collecting signatures, and you know, I mean, we're getting a good response from from the general public on it, and hopefully, we can get it on the ballot in November. Okay, we'll see what happens here. Anything else you want to call attention to? I mean, obviously, with uh, with Sherrod Brown, how do you feel about that moving well, forward? No, we've got a you know, we've got a big year coming up in 2024 in the North Coast. We're committed to support Sherrod Brown's uh, reelection for Senate. We also got a couple local issues, local races that are very concerning to us, too. We have uh, uh, Brian Baker, who's a former secretary treasurer of the North Coast Area Labor Federation, going to run for uh, Lorraine County Commissioner. Uh, right now we have three Republican commissioners, and things are not going well there, so we think we need to support Brian. That's going to be one of our targeted races. Also, too, we've got some state reps and state senators that we need to Make sure that we get reelected at you know support the causes of working people, and we're going to be focusing on that in 2024. And, and last year was pretty good for that. The past couple of years have been pretty good for for union members getting involved in the political process. And uh, we should do a shout out here to a Bill Shear. 
we had Bill on the show. This was right uh, right around Thanksgiving. Now, he was elected to be mayor of Canton, Ohio, and he comes from the Ironworkers. And uh, it's good to see that, that a lot of members, he was a longtime uh, business manager for the local in the Canton area, and it's good to see that happening. And I know the AFL-CIO nationally has been doing a really good job. Some states, New Jersey for one, doing better than others. Do you see more of that? Obviously, with this this fellow in uh, Lorraine, do you see more of that happening this year, Pat? Well, we hope we certainly hope so. It's, we hope we can get you know our candidates, our our membership interested in being candidates and being political public officials. We think that's you know a, a, protects our membership, and I think it protects the citizens of Ohio. It's people in there who care about working people and and have some background in that. So I think it'd be. A, you know, as many as we can get in there is what we're trying to do. So, and you got to strike while the iron's hot. Twenty twenty three was a historic year for workers with gains in pay, all the new contracts we've mentioned so many times on the show. You had the UAW, the Teamsters, SAG, AFTRA, healthcare workers out in the Nevada, Colorado area. I mean, hundreds of thousands of workers. You know, basically said, you know what, we got to do better. And they did. They did better. They got double-digit pay raises. And right now, according to uh, Gallup, approval for labor unions is pretty much an all-time high, close to 70%. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So we got to keep the moment. You think we could keep that going here in 2024, Pat? What do you think? I think so. I think we can. I think, you know, it's been a long time that, you know, workers' pay has been suppressed. It's been a lot of pressures on it. And and we think now it's time that we take money away from the CEOs and we got to go to the workers who, who are the ones making the profits. There you go. All right. I'm going to leave you on that note. You take care, my brother. We'll be talking some more. And, uh, again, Happy New Year to you and all the folks at the North Coast Labor Federation. Okay, brother? All right. Thank you, Flash. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Ray Boyd is the Director of Training and Education at the United Association, and he is coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. Are you an experienced mechanical insulator looking to take your career to the next level? Insulators Local 50 in Central Ohio has steady work for a number of years. Insulators Local 50 offers a total wage and benefits package that can't be beat. It's not just the competitive wages. Local 50 also provides medical, vision, and dental insurance with no paycheck deductions for you and your family. Don't miss out on the chance to secure your future. Join us at Insulators Local 50. Earn great pay and the best benefits. Visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF50 to fill out the online form and a Local 50 representative will call to begin the process. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. 
You can find more at ifpte.org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers. Standing strong. And fighting for what's right. America's workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate it. Those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers, oh.aft.org is their website. Well, last couple of weeks, what we've been doing is uh, replaying some of the most popular shows on America's Workforce, and one of them, well, this was in early November when I spoke with Ray Boyd. I just love the energy that this guy brings to the table. Ray is now the Director of Education and Training for the United Association, and he's he's got 35 years' experience. Started out in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at Local 690. And he talked about his life and the UA and what they're doing with training and education in that segment. Let's listen here on America's Workforce. Ray Boyd, how we doing, my brother? I'm doing so good, my friend. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be back on the show with you. And like you said, it has been a long time. So thank you for this, this opportunity to speak with you. And speaking of long times, I forgot that you entered the plumbing industry. My God, 1988. That's a long, long time ago. <laughs> if you don't mind, I mean, we, we get new listeners to the show all the time, and we're trying to drive people into the trades. And in this case, it's the, the pipe trades. And uh, we always say it's a pathway to the middle class. There's no doubt about that. There's a lot of jobs out there, and they're good jobs, good-paying jobs with great benefits, with pensions. Okay, take me back to the, the late 80s there as far as your journey into the trades. What, what Now, did you have family members involved? Somebody said, hey, Ray Boyd, I, I got a... I got this local over here. That would be, what, uh, Local 690, and this was in Philadelphia. Maybe you ought to check them out. Take me back to that time, Ray. I certainly will. Thank you. Um, I needed to do something with my life. Uh, I was a member of the United Food and Commercial Workers Union at that time, Um, but I was first generation when I joined Plumbers Union Local 690. Um, I tried college, bounced around a little bit, found out that it wasn't for me, and I enjoyed working with my hands and, and uh, looked into the plumbing and, and heating industry and really started to enjoy it. And, and, and I was fortunate. Somebody grabbed me by the coattail and, and told me about a plumber's union. Growing up in the area that I grew up in, like I said, I was first generation. I had no idea that there were trades unions. Even though I was a member of a union, I didn't know that trades unions existed. And I think that that's one of the things that we've gotten so much better at. 
But my story, I took a small plumbing course on my own and really enjoyed it. And I was fortunate, again, like I said, that a gentleman told me about the plumbers union. And he said, you know what, you should apply to them. And I did and picked up the application and fortunately passed their entry exam. And I became an apprentice plumber out of Philadelphia. And um, I'm going into my 35th year as a proud member of Plumbers Union Local 690 in the city of Philadelphia, but also a 35-year proud United Association member. And like you said, Flash, it is the way to the middle class, but it also gives you a career and not a job. Mm -hmm. These careers that the trades offer, you can take anywhere in the world, not just the country, anywhere in the world. And I'll just give you a brief example. I've had the opportunity in this new position that I'm in to travel to Africa this year and to travel to Germany to help with their plumbing infrastructure and to give them ideas on what we do and how we do it here in the United States. And that realistically has allowed my career to come full circle. So that's a little bit about how I got started and what the trade means to me and um, what I'm trying to give back to the trade. Africa and Germany. That's pretty impressive, Ray. Can you, uh, can you reflect on that? How did, how, how was the reception when you went there? The reception was very well. The Germany trip was a trip where we took a group of apprentices that have done different things around the world. That was with the, the World Plumbing Council, and there was, they, had a, they had a plumbing challenge where they built projects, and we found an area in Frankfurt, Germany, that was in dire need of plumbing upgrades. So we used our expertise and allowed our apprentices to collaborate together, build the projects, and then go and install what they built. So it's giving back to the community. Um, The second trip to Rwanda was, again, along with the World Plumbing Council, and we went over there to help educate them on their plumbing infrastructure. We did a five-day training. We had, on average, 139 students in the class every day and basically teaching them how to understand the dire need for clean drinking water and proper disposal of sanitation. And it was probably more rewarding for me and my colleagues to be over there to see how engaged the students were to want to make their communities better. Mm -hmm. Boy, that had to be an eye-opener for you. I'm just wondering, is that going to foster more types of visits in other countries? Because I would imagine there's had to be some discussion about how successful that was. Maybe we could take this somewhere else. Is any of that happening right now, Ray? As a matter of fact, it is. We're looking at different projects throughout the United States and also throughout the world where we can take our expertise and sit down and um, give them some of the ideas and things that for lack of a better term, we take for granted, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, We are fortunate to be able to, you know, get up in the morning and just go to our faucet and feel as though the water that we're drinking or bathing in is safe. And that's that's not like that everywhere. It's not like that every place in the United States. And those are the things that the United Association is trying to really focus on and give back. Let's talk about uh, 
recruitment and organizing, if you will, because it's it's important. There's a lot of jobs out there, now, especially in central Ohio. My gosh, this this Intel plant, uh, Dorsey Hager, who's the head of the trades over there in central Ohio, is talking about how much water a plant like Intel. It's like it's like five million gallons a day. I'm, and that's just one plant. And I'm just wondering, this has, and you're seeing these pop up all over because I was just talking about the results of the Bipartisan Infrastructure and Job Act, which became a law two years ago this week. It was uh, Wednesday that it uh, it passed in our Congress, and then Biden immediately signed it. But uh, we're seeing some really good things happen in the country. That's got to open up a lot of opportunities for the UA. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I certainly can. We have a organizing team with the United Association led by director Jim Tucker. And we scour the entire United States. As a matter of fact, they just did a major blitz in the Maryland area yesterday where he brings organizers from across the country and they target areas to open up opportunities for people to join the United Association. Our recruitment and outreach coordinator is Ms. Laura Seha, and she does a fabulous job of scouring the country, connecting with the American school counselors, job fairs at FFA and Skills USA. We are in every corner of this country trying to open up our doors for people that want to be in the trades. Our numbers have grown to three. 170,000 members to date, and we are out there looking for more men and women that want to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. You had mentioned a website of ours earlier. If anybody listening to this podcast knows anyone that's interested, they can go to ua.org slash join, and they will get information on all of the trades that fall under the United Association's umbrella. Yesterday we were talking with Mike Hazard. Mike heads the uh, Veterans and Piping Program for the uh, UA. And I know you, you've you been working with him. You know him really well. And they've been targeting the veteran population. And he, he uh, informed me in 15 years they've been able to uh, bring in well over 3,000 veteran, veterans into, uh, into the uh, pipe trades. Uh, I'm just wondering that, that that's got to f- make you feel pretty darn good that I mean, here's people that served our country. They developed this program and it wasn't easy. I mean, he was telling me how the lawyers got involved and say, wait, you can't do this on a military base. And so they had to change the law. It was a it was a great story. But, you know, persistence paid off. They got the program going. And here here it is today. I'd like to get your comments on on the veterans and piping program. It's absolutely amazing to be able to welcome our veterans, our men and women that have served our country proudly. When they're transitioning out of the military, they know that there are options where they can provide for their families. There's, there, there's a career option. There's an organization that is welcoming to them and wants to train them. One of the benefits, I believe, and I think the UA is, is actually the benefactor of this. These men and women are coming out, and they're already leaders. They already know how to be a part of a team. They have a skill set that is 
innate. It doesn't have to be taught. So we have benefited from that. And like I said, under the leadership of Mike Hazard, who does a phenomenal job with his administrative assistant, Nicole Jupe, in making sure that our men and women that are transitioning out of the military get treated with the respect, have all of the necessary resources that they need as they're transitioning out, and fully understand the construction industry and what the UA family is all about. It's been amazing to watch these veterans transition and the leadership roles that they're taking over and that they're that they're stepping into with the UA to sit back and watch it is absolutely amazing. It's one of the best programs that the UA has to offer. Once again, Ray Boyd, Director of Education and Training with the United Association, that website, by the way, UA.org. We'll continue with Ray right after this. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as healthcare and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Lyuna. Find out what it takes for Lyuna to keep America running at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylights and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at Teamster.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. The Alliance for American Manufacturing is a nonprofit, nonpartisan partnership formed back in 2007 by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers. Their mission is simple strengthen American manufacturing and create new private sector jobs through smart public policies. Keyword there is smart. We need to be smarter than ever in today's highly competitive world. The Alliance for American Manufacturing believes that an innovative and growing manufacturing base is vital to America's economic and national security, as well as providing good jobs for future generations. Good jobs today, good jobs tomorrow. Good American jobs. Find out more at AmericanManufacturing.org. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at Lyuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Let's go back to our interview with Ray Boyd right now. This was originally aired in early November. Ray 
Director of Education and Training with the United Association. Let me ask you, you were Assistant Director of Education and Training for about four years up to that uh, announcement. Uh, was this, did, did, was, did somebody leave that position or, or what, how did that happen? How did that transition happen? Yeah, our previous Director of Education and Training, James Pavisak, he retired after 42 years in the industry, 18 years with the United Association, and I became his assistant in 2019. Um, and when Jim announced his retirement, um, I was offered the position, uh, which started January 1 of 2023, and it, it has been um, an amazing ride this this last year. Uh, we are coming up on the end of the year, and um, I have to owe – all of the um, accolades and kudos to my um, staff. We have an incredible ITF staff. ITF um, handles the education and training side of the United Association. I have a staff of about 34 employees, and um, they do certifications, registrations, curriculum development, financial, and grant writing Um I have a I have a team of training specialists. Mike Hazard was one of those training specialists who who handled the country in different varying disciplines from pipe fitting to plumbing to welding to um, HVACR um, to sprinkler fitting. Um, so we have an amazing team. Um, Flash, I have to be honest. This has been probably one of the best years of my life and one of the most proudest years of my life. Being able to be the director of education and training for the United Association um, and being able to be that voice out there to, to give people an opportunity um, to see themselves Mm -hmm. in me. Um, You know, that's, that's something that, you know, I hold near and dear to my heart as I, as I move throughout the country and talk to young men and women about the UA, I want them to realistically be able to see themselves in me. And one mm-hmm. of the things that I wear as a badge of honor, I'm a plumber out of Philadelphia, and I'm extremely proud of that. And I want them to see where that can take them if they take this step and join the United Association or any other labor union for that matter. There are so many opportunities that you might not be able to see when you start your apprenticeship. But as you walk your way through it and understand that there are so many leadership opportunities where you can give back at the local level and at the international level and you position yourselves correctly, the sky's the limit. So I'm, yeah. I'm extremely fortunate. Um, and, and it's been an amazing year so far and I can't, can't wait until next year. Well, Ray, I want to focus on uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I know that's uh, one of your current projects and there's a national push we've had sean mcgarvey on the show a number of times and he is very very focused on this issue and very passionate he wants to make things happen and things are happening and we're seeing it happen especially in the union shops Uh, i'd like to get your take on what the ua is doing maybe you can give us some of the nuts and bolts of that okay well thank you for mentioning dei um it is really important to the united association and under the leadership of general president mark mcmanus he has allowed myself and a team of other ua employees to start a diversity equity and inclusion committee um 
we just partnered with the Mechanical Contractors Association and held a training at headquarters where we brought MCAA staff and UA staff together for a DEI training. We are extremely focused on opening up doors for women, people of color, people in underrepresented communities with the focus that DEI is not black and white. DEI is an opportunity to be inclusive to anyone that wants to be a part of our organization. And it takes some training to get to that point. We all understand we have biases. They might not necessarily be that we're trying to be a certain way. We have unconscious biases. A lot of that can be fixed through training. We partnered with a organization called Leadership Surge, led by Mr. Alex Willis, who does a phenomenal job of breaking down barriers and allowing us to understand our own unconscious bias when it comes to the way that we recruit, when it comes to the way that we interview, when it comes to the way that we organize when it comes to the way that we manage our companies and our employees and the way that we carry ourselves. And our focus is making an inclusive and comfortable workplace with the understanding that our doors are open to anybody that wants to be a rank-and-file member of the United Association. Um, I'm extremely proud about it. Um, Being a man of color, having an opportunity to, to speak about diversity, equity, and inclusion, from my perspective and how I've been um, brought up through the trades and seeing different things that have gone on and really witnessing the leadership of these organizations wanting to make a change and not tolerating some of the bullying and, and, and harassment and different things that have been allowed to go on in years past and making a conscious effort to want to change those things and making an inclusive workplace for everyone is one of the missions for the United Association. You know what I say on the show, you got to ignore the noise. There's a lot of noise out there, Ray. You know that. And and it's a bu- exactly. it's a bunch of garbage. It really is. Bunch of garbage. You got to focus on the future. You got to focus on what brings people together and that's what this is all about. And we got and we got to get more people of color, more women in the trades. How how are we faring on that? I I know moving maybe not as fast as you would like but you, you got to have some goals i mean we're going into 2024 here can you uh can you reference that at all yeah i'm glad that you brought that up because as a matter of fact the ua is doing a phenomenal job when it comes to recruiting women and people of color in the trades we have a big event you may have heard about it and it's a nab to event it's called trades women build nations and it's going to be held december to the third in Washington, D.C. This is one of the largest tradeswomen's events in the entire United States, and it continues to grow leaps and bounds when it comes to what we're doing as a recruitment. Um, I mentioned Laura Seha earlier in the program. She is one of the leaders of this movement. The U.A., there, there will be close to 3,000 union tradeswomen at this event. And the UA has the largest um, group that is participating in this particular event. And it, there's classes and education on leadership and how you get into leadership roles, retention and what that looks like. When we talk about growing our numbers, and I know you know this, one of the toughest things is to retain membership. And 
and and you can have somebody go through an apprenticeship program and really truly want to be a part of that organization. But there are a couple of factors that factor into them staying and, and being fortunate enough like myself to be a 35-year member of an organization that's being treated well, first and foremost, and being welcomed into that organization, and that's providing work opportunities and upward mobility. When we don't do that to a certain segment or population of our organization, they will naturally leave. They have to. We've gotten so much better at that, opening up doors for leadership and upward mobility to allow women and people of color to take on those roles, that it's allowed our numbers to increase. Like I said, we're at 370,000. The mission of the general president of the United Association is to continue to grow that number. That's our goal. That's our pathway. And that's that's the direction that we're all pulling in. So we're extremely pleased about our, our, our numbers of of recruiting, but but we're not stopping where we are when it comes to women yeah. and people. You know, I have to share with you a quick story. I wanted to do more for that conference coming up, and uh, it exploded. They 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 ran out of rooms in hotels. <laughs> I mean, they said, "Flash, we can't talk about it anymore. We're already packed." <laughs> so obviously, that message is getting through. That is a good thing. That is a good that is a good problem. Let me put it that way. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. We are extremely excited with what they're doing and. I've been going to that conference since 2017, and when I tell you it has changed me and the way that I see the industry, I would I would recommend anybody, if you had the opportunity, to go and see it and see the and see unionism on full display. It will change your whole perspective on 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 what it's about. Well, I think this is a great way to button up National Apprenticeship Week with with your comments. I'll tell you, I, I think it's so cool that here you are, 1988, you get involved in the pipe trades, and look at look at what you're doing today, Director of Education and Training. The sky's the limit. That's the beauty of America. That is the beauty of America. You can do it. You put your mind to it. You get you, you you put that work ethic together and bingo, it happens. I love it. Ray, we gotta talk some more, brother. I mean, I love having you on the show. Can we can we arrange more interviews with Ray Boyd? Absolutely. I would love to be on your show, sit down and, and dive into some other topics and things that we're doing and uh some of the things that we have planned for the future of the United Association. So anytime you need me, please reach out and um I would love to have a conversation with you. Now, that's a guy that I want to stay in touch with. Ray Boyd, Director of Education and Training with a great union, the United Association, 370,000 members. You can find more at ua.org, ua.org. That'll be it for another edition of the show. Coming up tomorrow, the United Labor Agency and the president of the Washington State AFL-CIO. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.